The following is a production of Phoenix Media. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look at the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. Convinced that Superman knows something about the brutal murder of Dr. Chi Wan, oriental scholar and art collector, Lois Lane, star girl reporter for the Daily Planet, persuades editor Perry White to print an appeal to Superman to step forward and tell all he knows. A telegram arrives in response to the appeal, a telegram that says, I will meet you in the Carson Mansion at 8 tonight. Signed, Superman. Lois and Perry White leave to keep the appointment. In the meantime, Clark Kent, who has gone to pay a call on Walter Huffman, a dealer in jewels he suspects of being involved in Shewan's murder, returns to the newspaper office. As he enters the editorial department, young Jimmy Olsen hails him. Listen. Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent, wait a minute. Well, what is it, Jimmy? Gee, Willikins, where were you? Well, I just stepped out for a while. Why, what's cooking? Well, Mr. White was looking for you. He got a telegram. It must have been important. Because he and Miss Lane left in an awful hurry. They said they couldn't wait for you. Well, what was the telegram about? Gee, I don't know, but when Mr. White read it, he said, Great Scott. You don't think maybe it had something to do with Chi Wan and the dragon's teeth, do you? Hmm. We'll take a look in Mr. White's office. Maybe we can find the wire. Boy, this sure is getting exciting. When did they leave, Jimmy? Oh, about 20 minutes ago. Uh-huh. Close the door, Jimmy. Okay. Now, oh, let's have a look here. Not over here. No, there's no telegram on his desk. Take a look in the waste paper basket, Jimmy. Okay. Well, I'll see you. Try to remember, Jimmy. Didn't Lois or Mr. White say who the telegram was from? No, they didn't. It's not in the waste paper basket either. Wait a minute. We're just a couple of dumbbells. All we've got to do is call the telegraph office and get a copy of the wire. Sure, that's right, Mr. Kent. Maybe. Oh, operator, uh, get me to the telegraph office. That's right. You say they left in a hurry, Jimmy? And how? I didn't even get a chance to ask Miss Lane what was wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hello? Telegraph office? Uh, this is the Daily Planet. Yes. Uh, we received a wire about a half hour ago. 
That's right. And we'd like to get a copy of it. Precious minutes slip away as Clark Kent endeavors to learn the contents of the mysterious telegram. Meanwhile, Lois Lane and Perry White are waiting in the musty darkness of the deserted Carson Mansion, listening to the distant peal of a church bell striking the hour of eight. What's that, Mr. White? That noise? Church bell, calling the hour. Just on time. Do you think he's here? We'll find out soon enough. Of all the wet, foul-smelling places I ever saw, this is the worst I've ever seen. They're going to open the door. It might have been the wind. No. Who's there? Who's there? I don't hear the footsteps anymore. I'm going to strike a match. Don't strike any matches. Who are you? I am Superman. That voice, Mr. White. It isn't Superman. How do we know you're Superman? Show yourself. That I cannot do. You will have to believe me. You asked for information? I'm ready to give it to you. I think what he was doing at Dr. Wan's house. What were you doing at T. Wan's house the night he was killed? What difference does that make? You're interested only in one thing. The man who committed the crime. Who was it? Listen to me. Listen carefully. The man who killed T. Wan... What makes you so sure Superman didn't send that telegram to Mr. White? Uh, Jimmy, you've asked me that same question a dozen times. I'm sure he didn't. Yeah, but what makes you so sure? Are you Superman's personal friend or something? What? I said, are you Superman's personal friend? Why, of course not. Whatever gave you that idea? Well, you're so positive he didn't send that telegram to Mr. White. I thought maybe he told you he didn't. No, he didn't tell me anything. Nobody told me anything. Just keep your shirt on now. We'll get to the bottom of this in short order. Okay. Ah, that's the Carson Mansion up ahead. What are you stopping for? I think we'll go the rest of the way on foot. Come on, Jim. Say, there's a car in the driveway, Mr. Kent. Yes. Mr. White's car. Keep your voice down, Jimmy. The house is all boarded up. Mm-hmm. It's been empty for years. Here, get on the grass. The gravel makes a racket. Okay. Do you think Miss Lane and Mr. White are inside the house? I imagine so. Come on. We'll sneak up to this window. Some of the boards have been torn loose and the glass is broken. Listen to me. I hear a voice. Quiet, Jimmy. The man who killed T1 is known to me and me alone. Mr. Kent, did you hear that? Quiet, Jimmy. Who is that man? Who killed T1? That's Mr. White talk. Yes, I know. Quiet. I will be able to tell you 
within forty-eight hours. In the meantime, you must make no attempt to find out for yourself. Why must we wait forty-eight hours? Because he doesn't know. He's lying. He isn't Superman. Gee, Mr. Kent. You stay here, Jimmy. Don't move from this spot. I'll be back. I figured something like this was happening. Looks like it's high time the real Superman took over. Now, if this back door is open. Now, locked. I'd crash through, but I don't want to make too much noise. Yeah. This window will do the trick. Rip the boarding off quietly. Quietly. There. That's one. Gosh, this noise. Two. One more and I can climb through once I get the window open. There. That does it. Hope nobody heard me. Now to raise the window. And up over the sill. There. Mm, this must be the kitchen. I can hear voices from the front of the house. It's a good thing I can see in the dark. There's nothing I can tell you now. You must wait 48 hours. No, my phony friend. We're not waiting. I'll just open this door quietly. But how do we know whether to believe you? How do we know you're Superman? Who else could I be? That's what I want to know. Hey, let go of me! Wait a minute. I'll light a match. Did you hear that? Something's happened. Here. Here's a light now. Look. There on the floor. Great Scott. It's a man. Out cold. Lois. Mr. White. That sounds like Clark Kent's voice. Mr. White. Now, what in the name of heaven are you doing here? Oh. Jimmy and I decided to follow you after we got a copy of that telegram. What happened? Everything that could happen. Well, consign this temper. Here, wait. I've got a flashlight in my pocket. There. Gee, Willikins. There's a man on the floor. Is that Superman? No. It's someone who tried to palm himself off as Superman. I still don't know what happened. You see, he was talking to us, telling us we'd have to wait 48 hours before he could let us know who killed Chi Wan, when suddenly I heard a burst of wind, another man's voice, and then the sound of blows. Whoever hit him certainly didn't pull his punches. That shiner he's got. I wonder who it was. Let's get him back to the office where we can question him. You take the flashlight, Lois. Mr. White and I'll carry him. Shucks, I'm disappointed. I thought sure I was going to see Superman again. Hey, all right, keep moving, Jimmy. A lot of questions to ask this person. As soon as we get back to the office. Now, look here, you. We've wasted enough time. Are you going to talk, or do we have to turn you over to the police? I told you all I know. You paid me $50 to do the job. Walter Huffman paid you $50 to impersonate Superman? That's right. He told me what to do and what to say. I used to be an actor, but I've been out of work for three months, and I needed the money. What happened at the Carson Mansion? Who knocked you out? I don't know. Someone jumped out of the darkness. It felt like a sledgehammer. Come in. Well, what is it, Randall? I uh, checked Huffman's office. It's closed. Nobody there. Elevator boys is Huffman and the Chinaman left a couple of hours ago. They were carrying bags. Okay. Uh, here, take this guy out. Okay. Call Captain Riley at headquarters and have him picked up. Yeah. You said if I talked, you'd let me go. You didn't talk enough. Take him, Reynolds. Come on, Friday. Well, now where are we? Exactly right where we started from. No, we're not. I've got it. What have you got? Well, it all ties in. Huffman told this actor to tell you he'd revealed Chi Wan's killer within 48 hours. Why 48 hours? You tell me. Because he needed 48 hours to get away with the ten pieces of jade. The dragon's teeth. Where could he get to in 48 hours? To the west coast where boats leave for China. Reynolds just told us he was seen leaving his office building carrying bags. 
Hu Ling, the man who used to work for Dr. Wan, was probably with him. Kent, I think you've hit it. Call all the airlines. Find out whether he took passage for California. If he did, we'll be on his trail so fast he won't know what happened. Is Walter Huffman en route to a China-bound boat with the dragon's teeth? Or is Clark Kent jumping to conclusions? Don't forget to tune in next time for a thrilling twist in this strange oriental drama. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman! Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Ha <laughs> ha! From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! The Loot Crate Box! What's with today, huh? Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are boxes just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash Loot Crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash Loot Crate. Great Scott! Snap into a Loot Crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. The discovery that Walter Huffman, dealer in precious gems, had disappeared, led Clark Kent to believe that Huffman was responsible for the brutal murder of Dr. Chi Wan, oriental scholar and art dealer. And two, that Huffman had in his possession the dragon's teeth, ten pieces of pure jade that hold the secret of everlasting life. Investigation proved Kent was right. Huffman and Hu Ling, a former Chinese employee of Dr. Wan, are even now en route by transport plane to California, there to board a China-bound boat. As our story continues today, Kent and Lois Lane, star girl reporter, are following in the next plane. Listen. table will land at San Francisco about midnight. Huffman only has a two-hour start on it. Well, that may be more than enough, if he can catch a boat. Well, you checked on that before we left, didn't you? Yes, there's a freighter sailing from San Francisco at midnight. I wish you hadn't insisted on coming along, Lois. I could have handled this much better alone. Well, the miracle man. No, I, I, I didn't mean it that way, Lois. Well, how did you mean it? Now, don't tell me you could have gotten to San Francisco faster than this plane is taking it. Well, maybe you can fly. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Well, now you're being silly. Oh, no, not at all. You do everything so well, it isn't beyond the realm of possibility to believe that you can float through the air with the greatest of ease. Oh, let it go. We've got a long trip ahead of us, so just relax.
passing over the Mississippi. We're 20 minutes behind schedule. Well, looks like bad weather ahead. Really? Uh-huh. See those dark patches ahead of us? Storm clouds. Well, here comes one of the pilots. Ask him. Oh, sure. We're running into bad weather, aren't we? Oh, nothing serious. Gee, I hope not. Don't worry, miss. Don't worry, huh? Well, there really isn't much to worry about. These big ships are safe enough. You know, I was thinking that unless we can prove Walter Huffman had something to do with Chi Wan's murder, well, we're just wasting time and money making this trip. Well, what about the dragon's teeth? The ten pieces of jade? That, I think, is a fairy tale. Do you believe it? Believe what? That the dragon's teeth are endowed with magic property. Well, nobody said they were. According to Dr. Wan, each of them is engraved with a Chinese symbol that identifies a medicinal herb found in the mountains of West China. I know. And when the ten herbs are ground into a powder, that powder will render the human body free of disease forever. My, that'll put an awful lot of doctors out of business. Well, there may be more to it than you think, Lois. The Chinese, in some respects, are remarkable people. After all, they did discover gunpowder centuries ago. This may be another remarkable discovery that has remained a secret for thousands of years. Well, I'm from Missouri. you got to show me. Oh, what happened? We hit an air pocket. Getting a little rough. Put it past in your safety belt. Okay. Here. Here now. Say, what happens if we run into a storm? Do they land? No. No, they usually ride it out by flying above it. Well, they're gaining altitude now. You're not frightened, are you? Oh, no, but I don't like it too much. My ears are beginning to ache. Try and yawn. That usually helps. Oh, here. Chew this piece of gum. Oh, thanks. Oh! Yeah, another pocket. Well, what makes the plane drop like that? Well, it's like being on a boat in a rough sea. You ride up to the crest of a wave and then drop down to the trough. Instead of sea waves, we're running into air waves. That's about the size of it. Is your belt fastened? Yeah. Well, we'll probably find good weather further up. They usually do. Clark, we're turning over. No, we're not. Just pitching and tossing a little. Well, I'd feel better if there were more passengers on board, you know it. No, well, just two men up front. Really, Lois, there's really... Oh. oh, oh, that was a bad one. Well, I heard something fall. Yes, I did, the stewardess. She struck her head on a chair arm in the rear of the plane. I'll be right back, Lois. Don't leave me, please, Clark. I'm frightened. Now, just sit tight. Nothing can happen. Well, hurry back, will you? Oh, this stewardess got a nasty crack. Hot coals. I'll just sit her up in a chair... Yeah, that's better. Probably just stunned. Hey, but those motors. They're missing badly. I'm beginning not to like this. Those motors conk out on him, we'll crack up. Maybe I'd better take a hand as Superman. First, out with the lights. Where's that switch? Now, here it is. Where are you? Uh, uh, right here, Lawrence. Be right with you. Now, the only emergency exit is in the pilot's room up in the nose of the ship. But the door's locked. I could crash through it, but... No, wait. Stewardess has the key. Ah, here it is, right here in her pocket. Boy, those motors won't hold out much longer. We're losing altitude fast. No time to wait. Hope Lois doesn't see me as I pass her seat. Well, here goes. Ah, made it without being seen. Now to slip the key into the door. There we are. Hey, what are you doing in here? Never mind that now. This ship's in trouble. You get back where you belong. Hey, Joe, get that guy out of here. Okay. Sorry, I have to Come do on, this, buddy, mister. Don't... Oh! And now you, Captain. You get away from me or I'll kill Put that gun down. Put it down, I said. I want you. Quick shot. That bullet. It just bounced off your chest. There isn't time to explain that now. Sweet dreams, Captain. Uh-oh. It's been I hope I haven't waited too long. The altimeter. Only 7,000 feet. There's only one thing to do. Get out of this plane and 
carry it down. Oh, you're all right, Lois. Here, drink some water. Oh, what happened? Nothing at all. You just fainted. The plane was falling, twisting, and then everything went black. Yes, but the pilot managed to land in an open field. Where are we now? In a hotel, five miles from where the plane came down. Now, look, Lois, I've uh, I've got to go on, and well, I don't think you're in any condition to travel. Certainly not by plane. But... There's a storm. The plane can't be flying. Well, uh, I've arranged for a private ship. You can't fly in weather like this. It's suicide. Well, the pilot of this plane is an ex-army aviator. He'll get through. Now, you'd better spend the night here and then take a train back east in the morning. All right. You insist. I think it's best. Tell Mr. White I'll call him the moment something breaks. So long. Bye. And good luck. Thanks, Lord. As he stepped from the elevator on the main floor of the hotel... Clark Kent walked quickly through the lobby, confident that now he could be waiting at San Francisco when Huffman arrived. But unknown to him, two bright, beady eyes followed him. The eyes of Walter Huffman. Suddenly, the jeweler speaks to the sallow-skinned Oriental at his side. Cooling. Did you see that man who just passed through the lobby? Yes, Huffman. I may be wrong, but he looked very much like that newspaper reporter who came to see me. Uh, Kent, I think his name was. Remember I told you about him? Yes, I, I remember. Was that not why we left so quickly because of him? Exactly, Huling. I thought they were suspicious, those newspaper people. How did he find out we were here at this hotel? That's what bothers me. He couldn't possibly know I decided to stop off here for a few days in case we were being followed. Mm, it's strange. Very strange. Maybe you are mistaken. Possibly. I'll see. You wait here. beg your pardon, but is there a Mr. Kent registered? Mr. Kent, I'll see. No, sir, we have no Mr. Kent. A newspaper reporter from the East? No, I'm sorry. Oh, did you say newspaper reporter? Yes, from the Daily Planet. Well, now, we we have a young lady reporter registered, Miss Lois Lane. She was a passenger on that plane that made a forced landing. And uh, now that you speak of it, sir, there was a gentleman with her. And I think his name was Kent, but he didn't register. What room is Miss Lane in? Uh, Miss Lane is in uh, 507. Thank you. Thank you. He was right, Oling. It was Kent. What do we do now? He's not registered, but another reporter is a, a young lady. Follow me. Yes, sir. Please. Good night. Good night, sir. Now listen closely. The girl, her name is Lois Lane, is in room 507. I must find out what she and Kent are doing here. I will pretend I'm a friend of Kent. We remain here in the hall. He returns before I'm through. Lead him away on some pretext. You understand? Hmm. I understand. Perfect. Good. I won't be long. Who's there? Miss Lane? A friend of Mr. Kent. Just a moment. How do you do, Miss Lane? My name is Schmidt. Yes? I met Mr. Kent in the lobby. He's an old friend of mine. Well, won't you come in? Thank you. 
Mr. Kent said you had a rather frightening experience. Your plane was forced down? Yes, it was terrible. I don't suppose I'm much of an air traveler. How long do you and Mr. Kent expect to stay here? Well, Clark's left already. He's on his way to the coast. I'm returning east by train tomorrow. Oh, Mr. Kent is on his way to the coast. Uh, business, perhaps? Yes. Uh, did you say your name was Schmidt? Edward Schmidt. Well, if your name's Schmidt, what are the initials WH doing on that handkerchief in your breast pocket? I, uh... I know who you are. You're Walter Huffman. Operator. Operator. Put down that phone. Operator. Oh! Now, pick your phone up. I placed the receiver on the hook. What do you want? Answer it. It was a mistake. Answer it. Do you hear me? Never mind, operator. It, it was a mistake. With Superman a thousand miles away, what will Lois Lane do? Can she alone outwit Huffman and Hooling? Don't forget to tune in next time for another thrilling episode in this strange oriental drama. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman! Up in the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. When the transport plane in which Kent and Lois Lane were following Walter Huffman and his Chinese henchman Hu Ling was forced down in a storm... Kent left Lois at a small Midwestern hotel while he proceeded to San Francisco as Superman. Neither of them was aware that Huffman and Hu Ling had broken their journey at the same hotel in order to throw whoever might be following them off the track. As our story continues today, Huffman has discovered that Lois is in room 507, and he promptly goes up to visit her. Listen. Yes? How do you do? My name is Schmidt. Edward Schmidt. Wait a minute. Yes. If your name is Schmidt, why did your pocket handkerchief carry the initials W.H.? Uh, oh, that will... You're uh, lying. Your name isn't Schmidt. I know who you are. Walter Huffman. Now, wait a minute. Operator. Operator. Put down that phone. Operator. Uh, oh. Now, pick up the phone. Pick it up. Replace the receiver on the hook. What do you want? Answer it. Answer it. Answer it. Do you hear me? Never, never mind, operator. It, it was a mistake. Thank you, Miss Lane. You are a smart girl. What do you want? What do I want? Nothing. The question is, what do you want? For what reason were you and Mr. Kent en route to San Francisco? That's none of your business. I am afraid I will have to make it my business. You are following me. Why? Because you met... Say it, Miss Lane. Because I murdered Dr. Chivon. You don't have to be afraid. I'm not afraid. 
So you think I am responsible for Chiwan's death? Of course, you have evidence. Enough to send you and that Chinese partner of yours to the chair. Really? I am sure Hu Ling will be interested. Uh, don't move, Miss Ling. It might be dangerous. Hu Ling. Yes, sir. Come in. Hu Ling, this is Miss Lois Lane, reporter for the Daily Planet newspaper. This humble person is honored, Miss Lane. Uh, Miss Lane has just told me, Hu Ling, that she has enough evidence to send both of us to the electric chair for the murder of Chi Wan. There is an old Chinese proverb. He who bears witness walks in the shadow of death. <laughs> a very good proper holding. You can't frighten me. We are not trying to frighten you, Miss Lane. Are we holding? Certainly not, Mr. Hoffman. That would be to show this courtesy to a lady. But we would like to know, Miss Lane, just what evidence you have. All right, all right. I haven't any evidence against oh? you. And yet you and Mr. Kent wasted no time following us. You must have had suspicions. I just... Just to come Mr. Kent. I wasn't told why we were making it. You trip, do not lie convincing me, Miss Lane. But that is unimportant. I think it would be dangerous to leave you here alone. I'm returning east in the morning. No. You are going west with us. But first, there is a little matter to attend to. How did Mr. Kent continue on to San Francisco? By plane. All planes were grounded because of the weather. Hmm. Hired a private plane. Then we will go by train. Pulling. In the desk drawer, you will find some telegraph blanks. Yes, Armand. These are the ones you wish? Yes, thank you. Now we will send Mr. Kent a telegram. Where can he be reached? I don't know. Come, come, Miss Lane. Don't make it difficult. Are for there us. not other methods, Hoffman? I don't think that will be necessary. Well, Miss Lane? I tell you, I don't know. Very well. We'll have to make use of our ingenuity. Mr. Kent probably suspects that Hoodling and I are journeying best to take passage on a boat for China. Therefore, he will search for us at the pier. Since there is only one line now operating between America and the Orient, the Eastern Star Line, that is where we will send the telegram. You are very clever, man. Thank you, Huling. Now, what shall we say? Doesn't matter what you say. He'll never get it. That is a chance we must take. Mr. Clark Kent, care of the Eastern Star Steamship Line, San Francisco. Return east at once. Very important. Love. Lois, take this down to the lobby, Huling, and see that it is sent immediately. Oh, yes, and uh, purchase a veil for Miss Lane, a heavy, dark veil. I understand, Hoffman. I shall return with haste. You're mad if you think I'm going with you, You Hoffman. have two choices, Miss Lane. Either you accompany us quietly, or... Mm, I'd rather not discuss the alternative. You wouldn't dare touch me. When men are desperate, Miss Lane, they will dare anything. Do not force us to take drastic action. We'll be better off if you do as we say. Much better off. Pudding, I think now we can take the gag off. I'm sure Miss Lane is smart enough to realize we mean her no harm. Yeah. You beast, both of you. I am sure you do not mean I that. mean every word of it. If you think you can get away with this, you're crazy. Please, Miss Lane, you are tired. I will send a porter in to make up your birth. Come, Wooling. Remember, Miss Lane, we will be watching this drawing room. Don't do anything you may regret. With Lois Lane, an unwilling passenger on a westbound train, and Clark Kent about to receive a telegram that will send him hurrying back east, Walter Huffman stands a good chance of escaping the country with the precious dragon's teeth. 
Meanwhile, in the editorial office of the Daily Planet, editor Perry White is making a frantic attempt to learn the whereabouts of Lois and Kent. Listen. What in the name of heaven do I have to do to get some information around here? Miss Kenyon. Miss Kenyon. Yes, Mr. White. Don't guess me. What about Kent and Miss Lane? Where are they? Well, I, I can't seem to find them, Mr. White. You can't seem to find out. Now, look here. That plane they were on was forced down at Briarville. Yes. What do you mean, yes? We got that in the news report. Well, yes, And they said, uh, I told you not to yes me. Did you call the airline? Yes, uh, No, I, I mean... Uh, what do you mean? Well, I, I called them. Uh, well, what did they say? Well, there were four passengers on oh, the plane. Oh, what and... do I care how many passengers there were? What happened to Lois and Kent? Well, I'm coming to that. All the passengers were transferred to the Capitol Hotel at Briarville, and they... Why didn't you say that in the first place? Did you call the hotel? No, sir. You didn't tell me to. Must I tell you everything? No, sir. Haven't you got a head of your own? Call the hotel. Yes, sir. Find out where the Kent's there. Yes, sir. If he is, I'll speak to him. Yes, sir. Uh, wait a minute. I'll put the call through myself. Stay here. I, I may need you. Yes, sir. Hello. 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 Get me the Capitol Hotel in Briarville. What? How should I know the number? Call me back. This newspaper certainly has more than a share of numbskull employees. Two of my best reporters make a forced landing in the storm and haven't brains enough to wire or call me to tell me they're all right. Miss Kenyon. Yes, Mr. White. What did they say at the airline? Was the plane damaged? Did it crack up? No, sir. It didn't crack up? Well, no, they didn't say... Oh. Harry White. On your call to the Capitol Hotel, Mr. White. Yes? The Briarville Exchange did not answer, Mr. White. Why not? The wires are down because of the storm. I'm sorry, sir. All right, forget it. She's sorry. <laughs> That's a hot one. You shouldn't be so worried, Mr. White. Oh, I shouldn't, eh? I shouldn't. And who is going to worry if I don't? But nothing can happen to them. You're sure of that? No, I'm not sure, but... Come in. Come in. Hello, Mr. White. What? Kent. Right to see me? All right. All right, Miss Kenyon. Get out. Get out. Close the door behind you. Kent, what on earth happened? Well, we were forced down outside Briarville. Bad weather. I took Lois to the Capitol Hotel, left her there, and continued on to San Francisco by private plane. Go on. When I got there, the first place I visited was the Eastern Star Steamship Line, the only line in service to China. There was a telegram waiting there for me, so I flew back. Uh, flew back? What do you mean, flew back? All the planes were grounded. Well, I, uh, I hired another private plane. Oh. Uh, we, we made it in good time. Now, wait a minute. The telegram. What did it say, and who was it from? Why, it was from Lois. Said to come back east at once. Where is Lois? Well, that's what I'd like to know. You mean she's not here? She didn't return? No, and I haven't heard from her, either. You haven't? I don't like this. I'll put a call through to the Capitol Hotel in Briarville. No, I've already done that. Yes? And the wires are down. Can't get through. She doesn't like Lois to keep us in the dark. I don't understand it. If she sent a wire to me, why didn't she communicate with you somehow? I've been sitting here tearing my hair out ever since I learned your plane was forced down. In the first place, I had no word from you. And in the second place, I figured you'd never get to the coast in time to stop Huffman. Well, whether Huffman has stopped or not is unimportant now. We've got to find out what happened to Lois. Just... Take me long to make it up, ma'am. Oh, ma'am, I close this place. Porter. Yes. What's our next stop? Greenville, ma'am. Listen, if I gave you a telegram, could you have it sent from Greenville? Yes, ma'am. I'll, I'll go get your black. No, don't do that. I have a piece of paper. You're you're sure it'll get off all right. Yes, ma'am. We got five minutes in Greenville. Oh, that's fine. Harry White, Daily Planet, Metropolis, in trouble. Have. Police meet Pacific Flyer into San Francisco. Lois. Yeah, we're coming into Greenville now. Okay, I'm finished. 
Now, here's the telegram, and here's a dollar. Please be sure and see that it's sent. You hear me? It's very important. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, and I'll be back to make up the bill. Yes, ma'am. I'll have everything tenanted. Just order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Order. Sir. Yeah, sir. The uh, young lady in that drawing room, Porter, she is all right? Oh, yes, is she all right? The uh, reason I asked Porter is that she is not well. Something is wrong with her mind. In case she happens to say something to you that sounds clear, don't pay any attention to it. She ain't said nothing clear, sir. No, sir. She, she just gave me this here telegram to send it Greenville. Oh. She gave you a telegram? Yes, sir. Well, I think you better let me see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Uh, you don't have to bother sending this telegram for her. I'll take care of it. Thank you. Unknown to Lois, a virtual prisoner on the speeding train, Walter Huffman has intercepted her urgent wire to Perry White. Can anything now prevent Huffman from carrying through whatever plans he has in mind? Plans that not only involve Lois, but also the precious dragon's teeth? Don't forget to tune in next time and follow the thrilling story with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky, look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. With Clark Kent lured back east by a fictitious telegram, and Lois Lane, an unwilling passenger on a westbound express, it looks as though Walter Huffman and his Chinese henchman, Hu Ling, Stand a good chance of escaping to China with the dragon's teeth. Ten pieces of precious jade that hold the secret of everlasting life. As our story continues today, Lois is alone in the drawing room on the train, trying to think of some way of foiling Huffman's plan. Every moment is precious now, for the streamliner speeding through the night is carrying Huffman and Hooling closer and closer to escape. Listen. Hold him, ma'am. Gentlemen, said you all want to get those made up. Yes, please. Yes, it won't, won't take me long to make it up, ma'am. I, I have it done for you in just a minute. Yeah. Porter. Yeah, yes, ma'am. What's our next stop? Greenville, ma'am. Well, listen. If I gave you a telegram, could you have it sent from Greenville? Yes, ma'am. I'll go get you, Blake. No, don't do that. I have a piece of paper. Yes, ma'am. You're, you're sure it'll go out all right? Yes, and we got five minutes in Greenville. Okay, that's fine. Well, let's see. Harry White, Daily Planet, Metropolis. In trouble. Have police meet. Porter, what train is this? The Pacific Flyer, ma'am. Thank you. Have police meet Pacific Flyer into San Francisco. Lois. We are coming into Greenville, ma'am. Okay, I'm finished. Now, here's the telegram, and here's a dollar. 
please be sure and see that it's sent, will you? It's very important. Yeah, yes, ma'am. I'll be right back to make up the birth, too, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'll be right along and get the birth. Get the thing away for you. Water. Water. Uh, yes, yeah, The uh, young lady in that drawing room, is she all right? Oh, yes, is she all right? The reason I asked for her is that uh, she's not well. There is something wrong with her mind. In case she happens to say something to you that may sound queer, don't pay any attention to her. Oh, yeah, she, she ain't said nothing, sir. Fine. I, I just thought I would mention it. No, no, sir. She, she ain't said nothing queer. Good, good. Thank you. Now, you uh, please excuse me, sir, so I can go and send this telegram for her. Oh, she gave you a telegram, did she? Yes, sir. Well, I think you better let me see it. Yeah, yeah, sir. Hmm. You don't have to bother sending this telegram, Porter. I'll take care of it. Thank you. Yes, sir. And come back a little later to make up the young lady's birth. Right now, I want to talk to her. Yes, sir, yes. I'll be right back. So, Miss Lois Lane, you tried to put one over on Walter Huffman. That is bad. Very bad. Come in. Good evening, Miss Lane. What do you want? Oh, I just stepped in for a moment to see how you are getting along. And you don't have to worry about me. Oh, but I do worry. You are very clever. Get out of here. Get out or I'll ring for the porter. <laughs> that won't help you, Miss Lane. The porter understands everything. What do you mean? I have explained to him that you are sick. That there is something wrong with your mind. Why, you... Don't excite yourself, Miss Lane. Get out of here. Get out, I say. I shall remain with you until the train pulls out of the station we are coming into. You see, I don't trust you now. Not after the little trick with the telegram. You... You know. Yes. I have it here in my pocket. And don't try anything like it again, or you may find yourself in trouble. Just why are you taking me with you? What are you going to do with me? That people decide when we reach our destination. You've got the jade, the dragon seat. What more do you want? We want to make sure we keep the jade until we are out of reach. Ring bell, ring bell. Pull that window shade down, Miss Lane. No, I won't. I said pull that window shade down. No, help! Help! Shut up, you little fool. Help, please, help! Shut up! Stay quiet if you know what is good for you. What's going on in there? Look it up! One moment. Remember what I have told you. Well, what's going on here? In here, Conductor? I'll tell you. He's keeping me prisoner here. The uh, young lady is not well, Conductor. That's a lie. Well, uh, wait a minute. Uh... Listen. His name is Walter Huffman. He killed the Chinese back east. And what's more, he sold the dragon's teeth. He what? I say he sold the dragon's teeth. Oh, see, Conductor. She talks crazy. No, no, I'm not crazy. I swear I'm not. Uh, confidentially, I am taking her to a sanitarium in California. Well, what? maybe I better get a doctor, eh? He's lying. He killed a man. He's a murderer. Maybe I better get a cop. Yes, will you please call one? As you wish, Conductor. But anybody could see the poor girl is not in her right mind. No, don't believe him. Don't believe him. Quiet, don't. Quiet, my dear. Yes, she quiet. does sound a little off. Maybe I shouldn't have bothered no, you. No, no, please don't That's believe me. That's quite all right, don't. Conductor. <laughs> A very valiant attempt, Miss Lane. I believe you now. Remember, you are being watched constantly. Good night.
That may be your call to the Capitol Hotel in Briarville, Mr. White. Maybe the operator got through. Hey, you take it, Kent. I'm too upset about Lois being missing. All right. Perry White's office. All right, put him on. It's the call, Mr. White. Good. Hello? Hello, uh, this is Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. Clark Kent. That's right. Uh, can you tell me whether Miss Lane is still registered at the hotel? No, Lane. L-A-N-E. That's right. I'll hold on. I hope she's there. Yeah. Yes? Yes? What? She did? When? I see. Who was she with? Will you repeat that, please? I see. No, no, thank you very much. Goodbye. Well, is she there? No. She left early tonight with two men. Two men? One of them was Chinese. Well, what does that mean? It means that somehow Walter Huffman and Hu Ling got to her. It means that they took her with them. Kent, what are we, what are we going to do? Oh, I can see it all now. I suspected that telegram from Lois wasn't on the level, and now I'm sure. You see what happened? Huffman wired me in Lois's name to get me back from San Francisco. Oh, what's the difference? What happened? Where's Lois? How can we reach her? Well, the clerk said they must have taken the Pacific Flyer. No planes were running, and it was the only train out of Briarville. Yeah, I'll have that train stopped and every inch of it searched. Hello, don't, hello, don't, operator, don't, operator. Mr. White, don't. Huffman's no fool. He'll manage to slip through. I've got a better idea. Uh, never mind, operator. Well, what's the idea, Kent? Briarville is more than a thousand miles from Huffman's destination, the West Coast. Yes. The fastest train can't make it in under ten hours. Well, what's your idea? I'll hop a plane and get to San Francisco before the train arrives. Then I'll meet Huffman at the station with the police. All transport planes are grounded, you know that. And anyway, I you can could... hire a private ship. Oh, no, nothing can get there you there in time. I'll get there, believe me, Mr. White. No, 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 we can't take a chance. There's, there's too much at stake. We won't be taking any chances. Now, look here, Kent. You're a smart boy. But there are a few things that you can't do, and one of them is whiz through the air like a bullet. Oh, maybe I... Oh. No, 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 of course I can't, but... The, 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 the private plane I mentioned can make the trip in, in nine hours, maybe less. Are you sure? Positive. All right, we'll chance it. But I'll go along with you. Oh, but you, 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 you can't, Mr. White. Well, why not? Well, it, it isn't safe. Well, if it's not safe for me, then it's not safe for you. Oh, I, I don't mean it isn't safe, but... Well, what in the name of heaven do you mean? Well, well you see, it's, it's only a two-passenger plane, Mr. White. That's the reason. There's just room for the pilot and one passenger, and since I can stand the trip like that better than you can, I, I thought... All right, all right, get going, get going. But get this straight, Kent. Notify me the moment you contact Lois. Okay, hold on. Racing into the Daily Planet locker room, Kent strips off his street clothes and reveals himself in the blue costume and brilliant red cloak of Superman. He waits for a moment to see that no one is observing him, then strides quickly to a window. I can catch the Pacific Flyer long before it reaches San Francisco. This is one time, Huffman, that you've bitten off a little more than you can chew. Up, up, and away! Huling. Yes, Huffman. I have been thinking, Huling. Thinking about that telegram Miss Lane tried to send. It is said that many men have been hung because of woman's cleverness. Beware, Hoffman. Yes, we are too close to our ghoul to let it slip through our fingers now. To realize what it means, Huling, 
Once we have in our possession the ten Chinese herbs mentioned by the dragon's teeth, leave alone, you and I, and medicine that will cure all disease. But in the meantime, what about the girl? I think it's best not to take any chances. If that telegram had been sent, the police would have been waiting for us when this train pulled into San Francisco. Maybe her friend, the reporter Kent, and the others, have given orders to watch all trains. Then what do you suggest? The next stop is a place called Carson City. We arrive there in ten minutes. We will get off with Miss Lane, hire or buy a car, and proceed the rest of the way by automobile. <laughs> a very clever idea, Hoffman. <laughs> very clever. Ten short minutes. Will Superman arrive before Lois is taken off the train at Carson City? Or will he once again lose Walter Huffman's trail? Don't forget to tune in next time for another thrill-packed episode with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. When we last saw Kent, he had assumed the familiar costume of Superman, and Red Cloak flying in the night wind was speeding to the rescue of Lois Lane, star girl reporter, an unwilling passenger on a streamlined express bound for San Francisco. Walter Huffman, a dishonest dealer in jewels, and Hu Ling, his Chinese henchman, watch her constantly from an adjacent drawing room. But even as Superman spans the miles like some giant bird, the suspicion that all is not right creeps into Huffman's mind. 
As the train roars into the night, he and Hooling talk softly. Listen. Hooling. Yes, Hoffman. I have been thinking, Hooling. Thinking about that telegram Miss Lane tried to send. It is said many men have been hanged because of a woman's cleverness. Beware, Hoffman. Yes, we are too close to our goal to let it slip through our fingers now. You realize what it means, Hooling? Once we have in our possession the ten Chinese herbs described by the dragon's teeth, we will own you and I a medicine that will cure all disease. But in the meantime, what about the girl? I think it's best not to take any chances. That telegram she tried to send had gotten through. The police would have been waiting for us in San Francisco with open arms the moment this train pulled in. For all I know, that reporter Kent may have given the police orders to watch all trains. Then what do you suggest? The next stop is a place called Carson City. We arrive there in ten minutes. You will get off with Miss Lane, hire or buy a car, and proceed the rest of the way by automobile. <laughs> a very clever idea, Hoffman. <laughs> very clever. See that our bags are packed and ready to go. I will take care of Miss Lane. Work quickly. There is no time to wait. Meanwhile, high above the dark countryside, the figure leaps forward in curious flight, following the thin ribbons of steel that wind in and out of mountainous ravines and over towering trestles. Faster and ever faster, mocking even the wind in his flight. I hope this isn't a wild goose chase. No, I'm certain it isn't. Lois never sent that fire ordering me back east. It was a fake. I should be sighting that train soon. It's somewhere here in the mountains, this side of Carson City. I'm almost sure Lois is on it. And if she is, that means Huffman is there, too. And Hu Ling. All I want with those two is 60 seconds. What was that? Sounded like a train whistle. Yes, it is. And I can see the train down below. Those flickering lights up ahead must be Carson City. Makes a stop there. I wonder whether I'd better wait until it pulls out of the station before boarding it as Clark Kent. And I'll just drop down a little closer and take a look. It's the Pacific Flyer, all right. The only train they could be on. I suppose I could get aboard now as well as any other time. Down! Down! Whoa! Just caught myself in time. There's a brakeman swinging a red lantern on the observation platform. Lucky thing he didn't see me. Well, now I'll have to wait until she pulls out of the station. Maybe it's best. She's slowing up. There. She's in the station. I'll drop down and hide behind the observation car until she starts rolling again. Down! Down! Yeah, that does it. Yeah, I'm well hidden here. And the moment the train starts, I'll swing aboard. Ah, Lois will certainly be surprised to see me. Not to mention Walter Huffman. <laughs> train starting. Brakeman's probably left the observation platform by now. Yes, he has. Here we go, on board. Ah. 
You know who, Ling? I have a feeling we did a wise thing leaving that train at Carson City. Certainly no harm was done. Well, it won't help you, Huffman. Nothing will help you. Sooner or later, men like you and that and that Chinaman in the back seat get what's coming to them. You must not lose control of your temper, Miss Lane. The sun is hot and we have a long trip across the open plains. Three hundred miles. Conserve your energy. It is said that anger is poison to the blood. Oh, if you don't stop telling me what's said, I'll... Oh, what's the use? There's no sense trying to talk to either of you. You're not human beings, you're beasts. Those are very unkind words, Miss Lane. Have we not treated you with the utmost courtesy? Of course you have. Telling everyone I was crazy. Well, that, unfortunately, was unavoidable. You will admit it to us all fair that it was uh, clever, no? Not clever, Huffman. Diabolical. You've got the mind of a devil, Huffman. You are very complimentary, Miss Lane. I, I do not deserve it. You deserve everything that's coming to you. And more. And you'll get it. Perhaps. Well, close that window, Miss Lane. The dust is flowing in. Well, you were warned about that. Remember, the man you bought the car from said there might be a dust storm. You're not worried, are you? No. Not the least bit. Good. I admire women who have courage. Yeah. It does seem to be blowing up. Keep your eyes open for road markers. We don't want to lose our way. Oh, this is your little party, Huffman. Keep your own eyes open. My name is Clark Kent. See these credentials? This press card. I'm a newspaper man with the Daily Planner. I'm sorry, sir, but we ain't allowed to give out no information about passengers. But this young lady was a personal friend of mine. That don't make no difference, sir. Now, does this make any difference? A ten-dollar bill. Yes, sir. All right, now tell me what I want to know. Was the young lady answering the description I gave you on board this train? Yes, sir. She, she's the one who got bats in the belfry. What? She, she kind of crazy. Who told you that? The gentleman traveling with her. He, he said I wasn't to pay no mind if she come out with something queer. Oh, this gentleman who was traveling with her porter, did he have an accent? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. And was there a Chinaman with him? Sure enough. Where are they now? On this train? No, no, sir. They, they, they don't got off at Carson City. With the young lady? Yes, sir. Gotta go after them. Yeah, but we don't make no stop till we get to Pine Valley. That's a good two hour run. Yes, yes, I, I know. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot, Porter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're welcome, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. You're, you're sure not welcome. Pine Valley. Every second counts now. If it is, I may not be able to pick up their trail. Oh, why didn't I board the train before it reached Carson City? Well, no sense crying over spilled milk. Got to get off this train the same way I got on through the observation platform. Here we are. Good thing it's empty. Sure. Nobody's watching me. Now I can drop Clark Kent. Or Superman. You slipped through this time, Huffman. But it won't be for long. Up! Up! And away! This storm is getting pretty bad. How far back did we get off the road, Miss Lane? Well, I don't know. I told you this is your little party. You go ahead and run it. Yeah, I can't see with the dust blowing against the windshield. I have to go out and look around. You will, you will need some assistance, Huffman. Oh, no, thanks. There we are. I will be right back. 
Only a fool who thinks he's clever would have started out in the face of warnings. It anyway. is not for you to criticize. I know, I know. It is said that only a critic can criticize. You had better hold your tongue, young lady. I can't find the road. The dust is blinding. Yeah. Now, Mr. Smart Alec, what's the next thing? Keep quiet, Miss Lynn. I'm in no humor for joking. Well, what do we do? Sit here and let the dust bury us alive? We keep going as long as we can. Across the plane. Listen to that man back in Carson City. Why must we be subjected to a half money? Must she continue with us? No. You wouldn't dare. Who can tell? Well, maybe it'd be better if we turned back. Back there. We've lost our sense of direction. There's nothing but dust, dust, and more dust than that wind. Hey, but how much longer can we keep going this way? For all you know, we're moving in circles. I told you to keep quiet. First, wait a minute. What happened? The car stalled. We are carrying too big a load. What? What does that mean? It means they cannot continue carrying so big a load. Do as I suggested, Hoffman. Oh, oh no. No. I am sorry, Miss Lane. There is no other way. Oh, no. No, you can't leave me here in this storm. I'll, I'll suffocate. The, the dust. There is I... no choice. The car must be light. But, but I'm not very heavy. I... It is not you alone. Fooling must remain behind, too. You do not mean that, Hoffman? I mean it. With only one in the car, there may be a chance. It's not human. Oh, please. Please don't leave us behind, Hoffman. I have helped you get the jail, Hoffman. It is because of Hu Ling that you have the dragon seat. I know, Hu Ling, but there's nothing else to do. No, you cannot do this. Put down that knife, Hu Ling. I have a gun. If one must leave, it will be Hu Ling. He struck him on the head. It was my life or his. I'll carry him out and leave him here with you. You'll be all right, shortly. Step from the car, Miss Lane. Oh, no. No, please. Step from the car. Hoffman! Goodbye, Miss Lane. And good luck. Oh, no. No! No, come back! Come back! Come back! Come back! Lost in the blinding horror of a dust storm, Lois, panic-stricken, watches the car vanish into the night. Alone, with only the unconscious hooling crumpled at her feet. Can Superman find her on the endless prairie? Don't forget to tune in next time for another thrill-packed episode with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky, look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh? It's the Loop Crate subscription box, yeah, but with exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loop Crate, the Loop Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. 
presenting the transcription feature, Superman. And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. The Adventure of the Dragon's Teeth, ten jade pieces which are said to contain the secret of everlasting life, is rapidly coming to a close. In our last episode, we heard how the villainous Walter Huffman, his henchman Hu Ling, and their captive Lois Lane left a transcontinental train at Carson City instead of continuing on to San Francisco. With the ten dragon's teeth in his possession, Huffman intended to take a boat for China. But suspecting that the police would be waiting for him when he got off the train, he decided to continue the journey from Carson City by automobile. While crossing the prairie in the car, Huffman and his two companions ran into a deadly dust storm. And then... But wait... Listen. Huffman, you can't do this to it. Cooling may be dying. His skull may be fractured in the crack over the hedge again with your gun. You think it matters to me what happens to you, too? I have the ten dragons, Keith. This car cannot carry the three of us through this infernal dust storm. So then you two must remain behind. But, but that's murder. We're miles from nowhere, and, and this dust storm is getting worse. I can hardly see or, or breathe now. That's too bad. Huffman, Huffman, wait. Please listen to me, Huffman. I am sorry, Miss Lane. You must do the best you can. Huffman! Huffman, come back! Come back, Huffman, come back! Oh, I've got to do something. This dust, it's blinding me, choking me. I, I must go on, but, but which way? Uh... Which Ancestors. Ancestors. Hu He's coming, too. Here, Hu I'll help you get out. Uh, Hu You devil woman. Stay away from me. Devil woman? Yes, you devil woman. Ancestors, take her away from me. Take from me these million demons that bite and sting my face. Bind my eyes. Choke my throat. He's out of his mind. Ancestors. He's hitting him on the head with his gun. Ancestors. That's it. Ancestors, have mercy. Save me. Save me. Stop raving mad. I can do something. I... Huling. You... Stay from me. You devil woman. Listen to me, Huling. I... I'm not a devil woman. Your... Your ancestors sent me to help you. Help me? Yes. I'm no devil. I'm a good spirit. Follow me, Huling, and and I'll save you. Will you follow? Uh, Follow you? Yes. Yes. I follow where would you go? Who will you go? Yes. Where? Come, Huling. Come with me. On into the swirling death of the dust storm walked this strange pair. A beautiful young girl leading by the hand a half-crazed Chinese. The dust-laden wind wraps itself around them, swallows them up like some great monster as they disappear from sight. Meanwhile, at Carson City, Superman has assumed his disguise of Clark Kent and is trying to pick up the trail of Walter Huffman. The conductor said the three of them got off the train here at Carson City. That means Huffman, Hooling, and Lois. Why should Huffman decide to get off the train here instead of going on to San Francisco? 
Uh, he may have figured that the police would be waiting for him when he stepped off the train on the coast. But he's got to get to San Francisco if he wants to take a boat to China. How? No airport here, so he'd have to use a car. That's it, a car. That means he and the others are on their way to the coast in it now. I'd better get a little information from that police over there. Excuse me, officer. Yes, young man, what can I do for you? I wonder if you can help me, officer. I'm planning to drive from here to San Francisco starting this afternoon. Uh, what's the best way to go? Well, there's only one way you can go, and you won't be taking it this afternoon. Uh, I don't understand. The only way of going is across the Great Prairie. you got to hit Mineville before you can pick up the main highway for the coast. And Mineville's on the other side of the prairie. Oh, thanks very much. That's all I wanted to Wait know. a minute, fella, wait a minute. Did you notice anything peculiar about the air in this town? Yeah, no. Kind of windy and dusty, but... <laughs> windy and dusty, eh? You see that huge black cloud hanging low over the horizon there? Yes, looks like an approaching storm. Brother, that's a sandstorm. Take my advice and stay here in Carson City till it blows over. Your life would be worth a plugged nickel if you tried to get through that. Mm, dangerous as all that, eh? Mister, I've seen people brought in off the prairie after one of these dust storms. They weren't pleasant to look at. is isn't just a dust clog in your nose and throat so you can't breathe. It's, well, those dust particles driven by a howling wind are just like knives. No, sir. Those people weren't pleasant to look at. I see. Well, thanks for the tip. I, uh, I guess I'll wait till it blows over. Yeah, I would if I were you. It doesn't pay to take chances. Uh, thanks, officer. Hmm. Oh, took a chance unless I miss my guess. I'm going to make for that alley where I won't be seen. Unless I'm mistaken, the chances are Lois will be needing my help right now. Needing the help of Superman. Ah, uh, here's the alley. Got to change quickly. There we are. Now, up! Up! And away! Thousand demons filled my eyes, my throat. Ten thousand knives cut my face, my hands. You are devil woman. Please, Huling, come on. It's our only chance. We've got to keep going until the storm's over. No, we stop. Huling, move no further. Why do you look at me like that? Who you are? I, well, I've told you, Huling. I, I'm a good spirit. That's no. why you're answering. No, you are evil spirit. You are devil woman. <laughs> Do you think to trick Huling going with you? Oh, no. Listen. No. Listen. Round a scream voice of thousand demons. You hear? Oh, that's the wind. No. Demons. You, you bring them. Huling. Huling, listen. You, you must try to remember. Huffman. Walter Huffman. He struck you over the head with his gun. Remember, Huling? No. You are devil. Huffman struck you and threw you out of the car. Remember? That he forced me out of the car and drove off, leaving us alone. Don't you remember, Huling? Huling! Huling, fight evil spirit. Oh, no. No, get away! No, fight evil spirit. Stay away from me, you madman. You're out of your mind. You're crazy. Stay away! Huling, fight evil spirit. Oh, no. No, Huling. Please don't. Please! 
Meanwhile, red cloaks dreaming in the gale, Superman speeds across the prairie, searching, searching, his X-ray eyes piercing the wall of swirling dust. That cop was right. Easy to understand what this dust storm would do to a mortal person. I've got a feeling the quicker I get to Lois, the better. I only knew... Wait. There, below me. Something. Down. Down. Ah. Automobile burned to a charred and blackened hulk. This must be the car. Great Scott, if Lois was in this car, better investigate. There's no one here. Whoever was driving couldn't see the ravine because of the sandstorm. Car went over the embankment, caught fire. Hello, what's this? What? The tea. The dragon's tea. Melted and fused together into one piece by the fire. Well, that's the end of that. I'd better get started again and see if I can't find. Wait a minute. Someone lying over there near those bushes. Why, Huffman. Walter Huffman. broken. Managed to crawl from the car and then collapsed. Why wasn't Lois with him? And who Ling? I'd better look into that right now. Up! Up! And away! Who Ling fight she devil? Please. Please, Wu Ling. You must listen to me. Don't you see? The storm's over now. We must go on. We must get out of this prairie. She devil try to fight Hu Ling. Now Hu Ling fight you. Oh, no. No, Hu Ling. Run. You run, then Hu Ling cut you. Oh, no, please. Listen to me. You no run, eh? Then here. Hu Ling, please. Let go of me. You no run away. Then Hu Ling use knife on you. Now. Stop. Put down that knife. No. No. Hu Ling kill. Sorry, Miss Lane. That was the only way to stop him. Superman. Yes. Thank heaven. That madman would have taken my life. Now, there's no time to lose. I've got to get you two out of this prairie before the dust storm kicks up again. This is only a temporary lull. Wait. Walter Huffman. He made off in a car with the dragon's teeth and he... You can forget both Huffman and the dragon's teeth. Huffman is dead. The dragon's teeth are gone forever. Oh, once again, a single man's greed has deprived humanity of a means to alleviate much of its suffering. But now, Miss Lane, I'm going to take you and Hu Ling back to Metropolis. There, I've got Hu Ling. If I may put my arm around your waist. Of course. There we are. And now, up! Up! And away! Once again, Superman's curious powers and amazing abilities bring matters to a happy and successful conclusion. What further adventures await Superman in his never-ending battle against crime and injustice? Be sure to hear the next thrilling episode and begin our new adventure with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky, look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. 
presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look at the sky! Look! It's a plane! It's a plane! It's Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. Today begins for Superman an adventure which, if not the oddest in his career, is certainly the most mysterious. An adventure filled with action, suspense, and some of the strangest characters we have yet met. Our story begins in the office of Editor White at the Daily Planet. Listen. Eh? Oh, come in, Ken. Come in, Jimmy. All packed and ready to start, I see. Yes, Chief. Jimmy and I have come to say goodbye. Shiver my timbers if we haven't. What? My duffel's all ready and we're all set to shove off. <laughs> Listen to the old salt. Old salt. Oh, gosh, Mr. Kent, if we're going around the world on the last of the clipper ships, i got to talk so the crew will understand me, don't I? They'll understand you without all that nautical gibberish. Now, sit down, you two. The Clarion doesn't sail for another hour. I've got some things to talk over with you, Kent. Gosh, Mr. White, we've got to get on board and stow our duck. If you don't stow your talk, young man, you won't go aboard at all. Ah, <laughs> now, don't mind Jimmy, Chief. He's just bubbling over with excitement and anxious to get started. Now, what did you want to talk to me about? I just want to be sure, Kent, that you understand what you're to do on this voyage you're taking. Oh, now, Chief, we've been over this a hundred times since you first thought of the idea. And we'll go over it a hundred more if I think it necessary. I want to be sure you understand the articles you're going to write from every angle. Sometimes, Chief, I find myself feeling sorry the owner of this paper ever bought the Clara M. Oh, gosh, I don't. I think of the places we're going to. South America, Borneo, India, Africa. Gosh, I get so excited I can hardly talk. Blow me down if I don't. <laughs> I'll blow you down with pleasure if you don't shut up. Yes, sir. Now, Kent, as you know, this is all in the way of a publicity campaign to build circulation for the paper. Clara M is the last of the old clipper ships. That's going to be your lead. Last of the clipper ships. I've got it. Into these articles you're going to write, you've got to put all the romance, all the color of the Clara Am's past, contrasting that with the future that awaits her. Yes. This is her last voyage, Kent. When you return with her, Mr. Barwick, the owner of the paper, plans to tie her up to a dock and turn her into a marine museum. Sure, Chief. But look, I know all this, and we're anxious to get down to the ship. I want to be sure that you know it. Well, Barwick's all excited about this idea of his. And these articles you are going to write, Kent, uh, telling how it feels to be making this romantic voyage in the last of the clipper ships, have got to be great stuff. Now, just let's be sure you've got your facts straight. The Clara M was built in 1889. Uh, 1879, uh, Mr. White. Uh, excuse me. What's that? Uh, yes, sir. Her keel was laid in June of the year 1878 at Aberdeen, Scotland, and she cleared from that city for the first time in August of 1879. She was built for speed in the China tea trade. Her hull is of teak, her decks are mahogany, and... <laughs> All right, Jimmy. All right, I guess you'll concede, Chief. There's hardly anything you can tell us about the Clara M. Mm, well, uh, excuse me. Yes? Who wants to see me? Uh, Mr. Barnaby. What do you want? Oh, I won't say, eh? I see. I'll tell him to wait. Well, Kent, it looks as if you and uh, young Moby Dick here have everything straight. But all you've got into the articles you send back. Make people buy the Daily Planet just to read what you've got to say about the last of the clipper ships. That understood? Don't worry, Chief. Uh, well, I, I won't be seeing you two for a long time. Good luck and bon voyage. Thanks, Chief. All right, Jim, pick up your duffel and let's shove off. Aye, aye, sir. Oh, uh, tell Miss Kenyon to send Mr. Barnaby in, will you? Right. Goodbye, Chief. Goodbye, Goodbye. Sir. Goodbye. Goodbye. Miss Kenyon, you can send Mr. Barnaby in. Uh, I hate to see those two go. I'm going to miss them. But I'd never let them know it. Well, I guess I'd better... Uh... Oh, all right, mate. Oh, what the... 
Oh, uh, Mr. Barnaby? Hey, same. Sit down. Hold it to you, I'm sure. I'll, uh, I'll move this chair back from your desk, I might see, and I've got to keep my leg out in front of me, and I'll need the room. Your leg? Aye, mate. It's made of teak. The finest this side of the China Sea. That's why I'm called Teak. Teak Barnaby. <laughs> Count of my leg. Oh, I see. Uh, well, uh, what can I do for you? Yep. Being a good seafarer man, I'll steer my course straight to the point. The uh, owner of this newspaper, Mr. Barwick, bought a clipper ship named the Clara M. And uh, I want to buy her. I'm afraid she's not for sale, Mr. Barnaby. Teak Barnaby was never one for bargaining, sir. So just forget the preliminaries and name your price. I'll meet it. I meant what I said, Barnaby. The Clara M is not for sale. Mr. Barwick bought the ship for the one purpose of developing a publicity campaign to boost the paper circulation. As a matter of fact, he's sailing within the hour for a trip around the world with one of my best reporters on board. Glad to, matey. Teak Barnaby's always got what he went after. Now, I'll pay you any price. You're yet. wasting my time and your own, Barnaby. I repeat, the Clara M is not for sale. Matey, everything has its price. Yes, if it's for sale. Now, look here, Barnaby. Just why are you uh, so anxious to buy the Clara M? I have my reasons. What reason? I don't like your tone, matey. You make it sound as if wanted to buy a sailing vessel was a crime. I never said that. Hey, but you implied it. Now, trim your sheets and listen to me. I want the Clara M, and I intend having her. What my reasons may or may not be is no wind out of your sails, so you'd best not inquire into them. Now then, what's your price? Well, of all the colossal nerve, I, I think it's time you left. You won't sell? I will not. Now get out. You're making a mistake, matey. A great mistake. That's my lookout. Good day, sir. Good day, matey. If you care to reconsider... Good day. You've made a mistake, matey. By heaven, if you don't get out of here... Me too. I'm shoving off. on a crew. There's a new batch of men on their way over from the Seaman's Rest, Mr. Kent. We won't have any trouble getting a crew. Gosh, Captain Hawkins, we expected to find you aboard the Clara M with a crew and everything, all set to sail. I know, I know. What seems to be the trouble, Captain? Why, there's no trouble, Mr. Kent. It's just that men don't go in sail anymore these days. Sailing means hard work. Harder work than you'd find aboard modern ships, and the accommodations aren't any too good. But, uh, Mr. Kent, here come the men I was speaking about. We'll have a crew in no time at all. Well, well we've come over from the seaman's rest to sign on, sir. Line up before the desk, you men. Right, One at a time. All right. Now then, you. What's your name? Patrick Finity, sir. What bird? Abel Seaman, sir. Sign here. Right, There's sir. a pen. Thank you, sir. And, uh... What would be the name of the ship, sir? The name? Oh, the Clara M. Signed here. Begging your pardon, sir. I've uh, changed my mind. 
I won't be sailing with you. As you like. Well, just a moment, Captain. Why won't this man... It's all right, Mr. Kent. Don't worry. Next. All right, sir. Your name? Angus McKenzie. What birth? Abel Seaman. Sign here, mister. Ah, right here. Hi, sir. Go ahead, man. Finish signing. Uh, I beg pardon, sir. Did I hear the name Clara M.? You did? What of it? Nothing, sir, only... I'm no signing on. Uh, just a minute. Now, now, Mr. Candy. Why won't you sign on? What's the trouble? There's no trouble, sir. I've changed my mind, that's all. Looks like they've all changed their minds. They're walking out. So I see. Captain Hawkins... It's as I say, Mr. Kent. They know the Clara M is a sailing vessel, and the minute they hear the name, they decide it's too much work. Seems to be more behind it than that. Now, now, please don't worry. I'll get a crew. Just leave it to me. We may not sail within the hour, but we'll sail. Well, all right. Well, Jimmy, since it looks as if we're going to be here for some time, I'd suggest we drop over to that cafeteria at the end of the dock there and have a sandwich. Okay, Mr. Kent. I am feeling a little hungry. Uh, all right. We won't be long, Captain. Take your time, Mr. Kent. And don't worry. I may have a crew signed on by the time you get back. I see another batch of men coming this way now. Well, I hope so, Captain. Feel better, Jim? I sure do, Mr. Kent. That sandwich and milk sure hit the spot. Good. Let's get back to the dock, huh? Yes, sir. Well, I wonder if Captain Hawkins has signed on anyone as yet. So do I. Sure was funny those men changing their minds the minute they heard the name Clara M. Well, Captain Hawkins' reason may be the right one. It may be that they just... Hardly the word, Captain. How did you manage it? Luck, Mr. Kent, luck. That batch of men coming in as you were leaving signed on, every one. What? As fine a crew as you'd ever want to see. The first mate's actually been in sail back in the old days. Yeah? Hey, you'll want to know him. I- I'll call him over. Oh, uh, you mustn't mind his looks, and I uh, I wouldn't pay too much attention to his leg. His leg? Yes, he's uh, got a wooden leg. Uh, here he comes now. Well, matters are beginning to take a strange turn. What lies behind Mr. Barnaby signing on the Clara M. as first mate? And why was it so difficult to sign a crew on the old clipper ship? Be sure to hear the next thrill-packed episode of our mystery with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky! Look! It's a thing! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Superman! <laughs> 
Superman! And now, Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, and who fights a never-ending battle against crime and injustice, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. In our last episode, we heard how Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen were about to set sail for a cruise around the world on the Clara M., last of the old clipper ships. After Kent and Jimmy left Editor White to go aboard the boat, Teak Barnaby, a one-legged sailor, called on White and attempted to buy the Clara M. at any price. Turned down, Barnaby stormed from the office. Meanwhile, at the waterfront, Clark Kent and Jimmy discover that Captain Hawkins of the Clara M. is having trouble signing on a crew. For some strange reason, men refuse to sail on the Clara M. Kent and Jimmy leave, and then, on their return, find that a crew has been signed. Listen. Hi, Mr. Kent. As fine a crew as you'd want to see anywhere. The first mate's actually been in sail back in the old days. You'll want to know him. I'll call him over. Oh, uh, you mustn't mind his looks, and I uh, I wouldn't pay too much attention to his leg. His leg? Aye. It's wooden, you see. Made of teak wood. Oh, here he comes now. Uh, Mr. Barnaby. Mr. Barnaby, over this way. Holy mackerel, Mr. Kent. Look at that. A real wooden leg. You wanted me, sir? Aye, mister, I did. I want to make you acquainted with Mr. Kent and young Jimmy Olson. Mr. Kent is the reporter I told you about who's going to write that series of articles about the last voyage of the Clara M. Pleasure, Mr. Barnaby. Well, it is that, matey. So we're to have a lot of more, too, are we? Aye, sir, I'm coming, too. <laughs> then keep your ears open and your eyes peeled, laddie, and you'll learn a lot. Blow me down if a voyage in an old windjammer like the Clara M. ain't the finest education a boy can have. I'll try to learn, sir. Mr. Barnaby, we'd best be underway. There's a freshening breeze, and we can just catch the tide if we're quick about it. Aye, right, sir. We'll weigh anchor. I'm the windlass! I'm the windlass! Holy mackerel, what a voice! <laughs> the first mate in an old windjammer needs a good pair of lungs, laddie. Ah, it would appear that way. Break sail! Break sail! Put your back into you, you throwing catfish. On the right there, you. All together now. Heave. 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 I've yet to see the likes of such a crew. Gosh, Mr. Kent, listen to him. Your sails are filling, Mr. Barnaby. Aye, hey, sir. You on the wheel there. That's the answer. Aye, sir. Well, we're on the way, sir. Take over, Mr. Barnaby. Your course is due south. Aye, aye, sir. And so, with a mysterious peg-leg Mr. Barnaby aboard... The Clara M. set sail on her last voyage around the world. Sails billowing in a spanking breeze, she cuts the water southward bound. Night falls over the sea, and in the cabin of Captain Hawkins, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen sit down to their first dinner aboard ship. Oh, gosh, I'm so hungry I could eat a whale. Well, dig in, lad, dig in. Well, there's an extra plate set, I see, Captain. Aye, Mr. Barnaby will be along shortly. He's a strange sort of man, Captain. Aye, aye, he is, but you'll find many a queer in at sea, Mr. Kent. He seems pleasant enough, but there's something in the way he looks at you. I can't quite put my finger on it. Sounds like him coming now. Aye, it's Barnaby, all right. 
Ahoy, mate. Barnaby, Barnaby. Well, lad, how are you finding your first meal at sea? It sure is exciting. <laughs> Gosh, with the creaking of this old ship and those oil lamps swinging back and forth above us, why, it's like a scene out of a movie. <laughs> that it is. Fog clearing any, Mr. Barnaby? No, it's thickening, and that's a fact. Making up soupy, I'd say. I'll give an order to use the horn if it gets any thicker. Aye. Well, you seem quiet, Mr. Kent. Hmm? Not saying much. Oh, uh... I've been wondering ever since we sailed, Captain. Can't quite understand how you managed to sign on a crew in such quick time. Especially when you'd been having such trouble getting a crew before. Well, as I explained to you, Mr. Barnaby and the rest of the men came along at that precise moment, all looking for bursts. Hey, a piece of luck, I'd say. Well, uh, this is the first I've heard of you having trouble signing on a crew, Captain. A little, not much. Well, I'd lay most of them had heard the rumor about the Claire I am. Rumor? Oh, what kind of a rumor, Mr. Barnaby? Gosh, what's that? <laughs> That's a foghorn, lad. Fog must be thickening. Well, now, as, uh, as to that rumor... You'd best leave off that, mister. It's nothing but waterfront gossip. I am therefore harmless to the lad. You see, lad, every ship has its superstition attached to it. And the Clara M is no exception. What sort of a superstition, Mr. Barnaby? You haven't heard about the Whistler? The Whistler? Aye, lad. Oh, it ain't much to tell. The legend has it that uh, many years ago, the first mate, uh, like myself, had a fondness for whistling. Whistling like a bird, he could. You could always tell what he was about, uh, for he was never done whistling. Well, as the legend has it, he had taken the wheel one night... In a howling gale. One of the nights when the sea's kicking up, hurling wave after wave over the decks. Well, lad, the first mate took the wheel that night and was never heard from again. What happened to him? Well, there's some say he was washed overboard, and some say he just vanished. But every sailor man's agreed that he still sails in spirit with a Clara M. And that sometime you can hear him whistling. Gosh. There goes that foghorn again. Uh, do you believe the whistler still sails on the Clara M, Mr. Barnaby? Of course not, of course not. A silly superstition, lad. Nothing more, nothing more. Why did you sign on for this trip, Mr. Barnaby? Huh? Well, Mr. Kidd, I, I needed a berth. And I take no stock in superstition. Does the whistler come at any time, Mr. Barnaby, or or does his whistle mean something? Well, I'd say... Mr. That... Barnaby, I've had enough of this stupid talk. Why, sir, I was That nearly... will be all, mister. Yes, sir. Uh, more potatoes, lad? No, thank you. Nonsense, lad. It's just Whoever's wh whistling is standing right outside on deck. I suggest we... Wait, matey. He's moving off. Come on, follow me. If it's one of the crew, I want to know about it. Do you come, Captain? Aye, I'll come. But it's nothing but Tommy Rock, I tell you. Tommy Rock. Seems to be off down the deck there, toward the bow. Come along. I can't see your hand in front of you, Miss Fogg. 
Whoever's whistling is getting farther away all the time. Let's hurry, mate. We don't want to lose him. Gosh, what with this fog and that strange whistling up ahead, why should anybody be whistling at a time like this? It may be a warning, lad. A warning? Oh, now I've done it when I've had orders from Captain Hawkins to say never a word. You mean that whistling may be a warning of something about to happen? Aye. Just said, mate, that when you hear the whistler... Wait. It's gone. I don't hear it any longer. Neither do I. It seems to... What's that? Cry for help. Behind us. Where's the captain? He must have dropped back. Come along, Red. Richard, You may be right with him, Jim. This is beginning to look more and more like a job for Superman. I've got a feeling Captain Hawkins went overboard, and I'd better check on that right now. Good thing my eyes can pierce this fog. Strange things happening on board this ship. Very strange. Wait. There he is. Floundering in the water. Turn of us. There's only one thing to do. Skim out over the water and bring him back here on deck before he knows what's happened to him. Up! Up! And away! Mr. Barnaby, I found the captain. Oh, what? what happened to him? Well, uh, hey, what happened? I'd like to know. You're, you're ringing wet. Uh, I must have slipped and gone over the rail. Yeah, well, perhaps you were pushed. No, no, I, I fell. But holy mackerel, if you fell overboard, how'd you get back on deck? Uh, I, I don't know. Somehow, I, I remember someone holding me up in the water. Then and everything went black. Hey. I'd best take you below, sir. Come along. I'll give you a hand. Need any help, Mr. Barnaby? Oh, no. I can manage. I'll take you. Here, we'll have no fear. There you are. What do you make of all this? Whistler and then Captain Hawkins falling overboard. I don't know, Jimmy. One thing I do know. I don't think Captain Hawkins fell overboard. Huh? No sea captain ever fell off a ship. A deliberate attempt was made on his life, and he knows it, yet he tried to pretend otherwise. Gosh, that doesn't make sense. That's not the only thing that doesn't make sense. There's something strange about Captain Hawkins signing on this crew. There's something strange about our first mate, Mr. Barnaby. But what? I don't know, Jimmy. I'm going to make it my business to find out. Yes, seven bells, but all is not well. Not well at all. What is the strange mystery aboard the Clara M? What truth is there to the legend of the Whistler? Strange and exciting adventures await our friends aboard the old clipper ship. So be sure to hear the next thrilling episode with Superman. Tune in the next thrilling installment of the transcription feature, Superman. Up in the sky, look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!